love you, Lord. You are our rock. You are, on, you are the bedrock on which we stand. Lord, and it's in you alone that we can place our trust. You are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our trust. You're worthy to be called God of our hearts, to be called God of our families, to be God of our church, to be God of our nation, Lord. Help us to be your hands and your feet as you build your kingdom around your purposes and around you. Lord, help us to point the way. Open our hearts now to hear the word of God that we could take it with us today as we go and be a light into the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Good morning, it's good to see you today. I want to share a few things about our church as we begin uh, before we look at God's Word. I want to share with you three opportunities to be involved, to serve, to be a minister uh, through our church. First of all, uh, we are um, doing an intercessory prayer ministry where we're inviting people to take a time slot each week where you will commit to pray at least 15 minutes of that hour for our church and its ministries and for the kingdom. And we've had 74 time slots filled so far. We praise God for that. And we can use some more folks. You could go to the Welcome Center after this service and choose a spot. Early mornings are just about gone. We need some night owls. And we need some people in the middle of the day. David said, evening, morning, and at noon will I pray. I'm looking for the at noon people to pray too. So, so, uh, but there are a lot of spots. So if, would you consider partnering with us? That's, you want to serve. You want to be involved. That's an easy way to serve and be involved in one of the greatest ministries of all, praying for the kingdom of God and supporting our church in prayer. Would you join us in that? Second of all, I want a way that you can serve God, be involved, is through our greeter ministry. We have a lot of volunteers that work every week, decision counselors and ushers and sound folks and everybody. Greeters is a great ministry. They're the folks that greet people when they come in, and we're having a greeter orientation at 5 o'clock, 45 minutes, starting at 5 o'clock, B204, this afternoon, and it's for all current greeters, Um, but we want to invite some new folks. We need some new greeters. And uh, if you are very grouchy, we don't want you to come. If, if, if uh, you're sort of sour and you don't smile a lot, find, get involved in music ministry or some student ministry somewhere else. We don't want you for a greeter. But if you're a friendly person, you love people, you're the person we're looking for. We need some greeters. Five o'clock this afternoon, that's an easy way to be involved uh, in ministry. A third way that you can be involved in ministry is uh, two weeks from today is the Super Bowl. And we don't have evening service that night. And we're encouraging you to watch the Super Bowl with friends. Maybe your connection group would uh, want to sponsor a gathering in your home, have home Super Bowl parties, uh, or maybe with family. And we're going to supply to anyone who wants it a DVD that you'll be able to pick up at the Welcome Center that Sunday morning that has a pregame video, about six to ten minute video, that you could show wherever you are before you watch the, the Super Bowl. And um, it'll be uh, 
uh, a presentation that will lead into, we're going to predict the score of the Super Bowl. Staff member is going to predict the score of the Super Bowl. Going to talk about how God's a better predictor of history than we are. And uh, going to lead into a, a message there. So we want to invite you to, to plan to do that and uh, be thinking two weeks from now, where am I going to be that Sunday night of the Super Bowl? Wherever you are, get a DVD and say, hey, during commercials, or sometime, let's, let's watch this pregame video. And that's a way that we can uh, share with our neighbors, friends, others. Invite some folks who aren't in church to your house or to your connection group party and be a part of that. Those three ways you can be involved in our church. I want to have a moment of prayer for our new president. We have a new president today. You may like him. You may dislike him. That doesn't matter. We need to pray for him and uh, for his cabinet, his vice president. And uh, we need God in America. We need God to bless America. We need God to forgive America. We need to pray for our country. So would you join me right now in just a moment of prayer? Father in heaven, we come to you along with churches all over this nation this morning to bow in the name of Jesus and to pray for Donald J. Trump. Lord, he's a sinner just like we're sinners. And he needs your grace. And he needs you, Lord. And he needs the fear of the Lord, and he needs you to give him a moral compass and a heart for righteousness. And we, well, you, can, you can work through any person, Lord. And I pray that you would turn his heart to you, and I pray, Lord, that you would help him to be a wise leader. I pray for Mike Pence, and I pray the same thing for him. I pray for his cabinet. And so, Lord, in this important office over these next four years, we pray for your Holy Spirit in that White House to convict and to guide that he'll listen to truth, that truth will be spoken around him, and there'll be guidance. Lord, we know that you're bigger than any person, and you can work through bad leaders, good leaders, and what we most need in America is not a new president or a new leader or a new policy or a new law. What we most need in America is a renewed heart for you. And we pray that we, the people of your church, would seek you fervently, would live in righteousness and in mercy and compassion. And we pray for your spirit to bring renewal and revival as you've done before in American history. We pray, do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. We pray humbly in the name of Jesus. Amen. All of us, I think, have a desire to make a difference in our world, don't we? We want our lives to count for something. Uh, we want to make and be a good influence upon our world. And so we try that through a lot of different ways. Some people go into a career hoping to make a difference. Maybe you became a teacher. Maybe you became a nurse. Maybe you became a coach because you wanted to make a difference in the lives of some people. Some of us through our children hope to make a difference in the world to, to send out Children who will make a difference. Some get involved in an organization or a cause. We've seen people marching in this weekend because they believe in some cause enough to leave home and go march through streets of cities somewhere because they want to influence in some way. Want to make a difference, right? Well, how can we make a difference? All of us, in spite of these things, it sometimes sort of wonder, don't we? Is my life counting for anything uh, do I have any impact? Is there any reason for me to live? You may have even felt like George Bailey in that Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where he wonders, 
does it matter that I've ever been born? I've tried to make a difference, but, but have I had any impact on the world? Well, Jesus says that if you will follow him, your life will have an impact. You can make a difference. That's what we're going to look at today. I'm sharing with you a series of sermons on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. And I've entitled this series, Live Differently, because the whole theme of the Sermon on the Mount is that he calls us to live differently from other people as we follow the path of Jesus. And what we're going to see today is, if you live differently, you make a difference. When you live differently following Jesus... You have an impact and influence on our world. And in the passage we'll look at today, Jesus is going to use two common elements of life that people are familiar with that are influential, and he's going to compare his followers to these two elements of life, salt and light. What does he mean by this? What's he saying about us? We're going to look at that together today. So if you have your Bible, look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. And the first of these two is that Jesus compares us to salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Well, salt's an influencer, right? Have you ever said, ooh, that's got too much salt, or that needs a little more salt. It needs some influence in my food, right? What was Jesus saying about us when he says to his disciples, you, my followers, you are the salt of the earth. It could be this matter of seasoning and flavoring like we talk about. That's how we usually think of salt in our, our day, don't we? You, you salt stuff and it, it influences the taste and it gives zest and it gives flavor. And he could be saying that we've had that role in the world. But I really think there's a, a different direction that is the primary usage. In the day of Jesus, salt was more commonly used to purify and to preserve. So here's what I think Jesus is saying. By living differently, Jesus' followers purify the world and preserve it from decay. Salt is an antiseptic and salt retards spoilage of food. I don't have to tell you about that, do I? You live in Tennessee, you know about country ham, right? <laughs> you know, uh, salt cured meat will not spoil because the influence of that minority of salt on the majority of the meat retards decay. And so I think Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. You, my followers, have a role on the earth, and you purify, and you preserve. You're going to slow the moral decay of around you, and you're going to lift up the culture around you by your presence there. You are the salt of the earth. That works in a lot of ways. Uh, today is... Uh, the anniversary of the Supreme Court decision legalizing abortion in our nation in 1973. And Christians, I believe, are the salt of our nation preventing us from further sinning. Now, abortion's legal, a lot of abortions are going on, but it's the evangelical Christians who are saying, this is not right. 
And, and this year will be before Congress the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. That if a child is born alive, there's some protection there from born alive and abortion. The Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act. That when a child begins to feel pain, uh, that uh, that child has some protection and an abortion can't happen after that point. The No Taxpayer Funding for Abortion Act. I tweeted about these this week. You can read the full list on my on, on my Twitter, but those are just ways that nationally uh, our Christians function in our society to say, we don't need to go there. And, and we work and we got to continue that to be the salt of the earth. It works on a personal level. You know, in 1 Corinthians 7, it says if you're the only Christian parent in your home, you make a difference and you sanctify your children. Do you know what it says that in 1 Corinthians 7? If you're the only Christian in your family, you take heart today. You're the salt of your family, and you've got a great role, and you, you be steadfast and coming to church and following him because you sanctify your family. You have a salting effect there. You, in, in your world, you can sanctify your workplace. You, you're the salt of your workplace. You're the, you, sanctify, you, you sanctify conversations. You raise the level of conversations. Did you know that pe- people... Uh, Sometimes apologize for cussing around preachers. Did you know that? I have that happen. Somebody says, oh, preacher, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And I used to think, well, that, why, would you, uh, why would you worry about me when you're in front of the Almighty God all the time? And then I heard this story about this uh, preacher who met one of his church members, and he was falling down drunk, and, his, and the church member said, oh, pastor, I'm sorry for you to see me like this. And, and he said, well, you shouldn't worry about me seeing you like this. God sees you like this all the time. And he said, yeah, but, but he's not near as likely to blab around town about it as you are. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. But <laughs> the point is that, that you know, maybe, maybe it's good when people are aware of your presence. Because you are the salt of the earth. You're a person of influence. You ought to be encouraged in that. Now, in each of these two comparisons, there is a caution, a word of danger. And um, look at verses, the latter part of verse 13. Look at verse 13 there. Again, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's not, no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So here's the, the caution. Beware the danger of contamination. Don't lose your distinctiveness in the world. There's a word of encouragement. You're the salt of the earth. Then there's a caution. But you're only going to be effective as long as you're distinctive. If salt is contaminated... It can no longer be effective, and it, you can't do any. What do you do with salt? Where do you pour your ice cream salt after you make a homemade ice cream? You know, you don't want to pour it on your grass. You know, where, where do you pour it? You, he said it's only good. You can only put it on the roads. It's only good to be thrown where it's trampled underfoot. It's contaminated. It's not good anymore for a purpose. It has to be thrown where it won't do harm. And so he's saying to us, you got great influence, but if you become like everybody else, you're useless. You've got to maintain that distinctiveness. And so in your workplace, in your school, 
You've got to maintain distinct. I'm not talking about outer distinctiveness of styles or hairstyles or clothing. Or I'm talking about inner distinctiveness that we've seen in the Beatitudes, that there has to be mercy and purity and peacemaking in our lives. And it's not easy being salt. Salt stings a little bit, doesn't it? You get it in the cut and it stings. He didn't say, well, you're the honey of the world. He didn't say that, did he? You're the sugar of the earth. He said, you're the salt of the earth. And you're going to have influence as long as you maintain your, your purity. And it may bite and sting a little bit. And so the temptation is to compromise and to be like everybody else. And when you become like everybody else, you're no good as a Christian. That's what it says. As far as your witness, you've lost it. You're no good. You're useless, is what this, the Bible says. And so it's imperative that in spite of the, the, the pressure that, that we maintain our moral distinctiveness and when other people react with, with hatred, we're not going to react with hatred. And when other people compromise, we're not going to compromise because salt must remain pure. It's going to be effective. Now, Jesus makes a second comparison to a common element to talk about our influence, our impact, the difference we make when we live differently. And that is, he says in verse 14, look at verse 14, you are the light of the world. Now, what's the point of comparison here? What's he saying about us? Well, light obviously illuminates, it points the way, it reveals things, And in the context of the Bible, the particular comparison of light is to revealing the way to salvation. Let me show you. Let's go back in the context before chapter 5. In Matthew 4, I always want to see a context. And let me read to you some verses from Matthew 4 about Jesus. And it says in Matthew 4, excuse me, beginning in verse 12, When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. That's important. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. That's important. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Now he's quoting Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. So... Jesus fulfilled prophecy by coming from Galilee. The Bible said the light would shine forth from Galilee. Jesus is the light of the world. And those living in the shadow of death can have joy now because the light points to salvation. Jesus is the light of the world. In John chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus said, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Well, guess what? Jesus isn't in the world anymore. So you know who's the light of the world now? You are. And he has, he has passed the baton to us, and we're the light of the world now, illuminating the way to salvation. So here's what I think this means. By living differently, Jesus' followers point the world to him and his salvation. I think that's what he's saying in this comparison the light of the world. You you are going to illuminate a dark world and point the way to Jesus and to his salvation. Wow, folks, you ought to be encouraged. You think your life doesn't count. You think your job is dead end. You, You think I'm not doing anything of significance. Be encouraged. You're the light of the world. The world is dark. 
And you have a tremendous impact simply by being a follower of Jesus Christ. The light that is of Jesus is now in you and reflects to a dark world. And you have significance and impact. But once again, there is a caution. And let's read verse uh, latter part of verse 14 and following. You are the light of the world. But a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So here's the danger of being hidden. He says in verse 15, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Be silly to light a light and then cap a bowl over it, wouldn't it? That'd be silly. But no, you put it in a prominent place in the darkness so that it can illuminate the darkness. So here's here's the caution. Beware the danger of isolation. Don't withdraw from the world or hide your influence. City on a hill can't be hidden. Don't light a light and put it under a, a bowl. So the danger here about being the light of the world is that we would draw. There was a group of Jews in the day of Jesus. You know about Sadducees and Pharisees. They're mentioned in the Bible. There was another denomination or sect, we would call them. Not mentioned in the Bible, but in Jesus' day called the Essenes. We know about them because we discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls that they left in caves around the Dead Sea. And what they did, they called themselves the children of light. They got the idea that we were light. But you know what they did? They lived in a in a commune, a monastery like existed, they withdrew from society in Jerusalem and went over into the desert and the Dead Sea and just tried to preserve the light. And Jesus is saying, well, that, that's no good. You don't turn your headlights on in daytime, do you? You turn your headlights on at night. Light needs to be in the darkness. Don't cover it up. Let it shine. Several times throughout my ministry, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, would you help me find a job in a Christian organization? Place where I work, it's just so tough to be a Christian. People cuss all the time. They're they're immoral. They don't have any values. And boy, I just love to work in a place where um, there's, there's Christian support. And I get that, and I understand that. But I really think in light of this passage, we got it backwards. I really think what we ought to be praying, Lord, put me in the most pagan workplace that you've got. Because that's where light needs to be. Light needs to be shining in the darkness. It's like that return of the king where Aragorn took that dwarf and threw him over in the middle of the orcs. And he started, you probably don't know that. But anyway, that's, Lord, throw me over into the middle of darkness and let me do battle there. That's So maybe God's calling you to leave the United States and go as a missionary to some other country. Because light belongs in the darkness. That's when you light a light. And so we're the light of the world, but the danger is that we isolate. So our temptation is a little bit like the Essenes. We love our Christian friends. We want to do everything with our Christian friends, go shopping with our Christian friends, watch the Super Bowl with our Christian friends, get little holy huddles and just have a great time together with, with our Christian friends. And you know what Jesus is saying to us? Hey, I didn't put light in you just to turn it on in the daytime. I want you to turn it on in the nighttime. I want you to be in the midst of people 
who need that light and don't hide it. Remember hearing of a guy tell his son was going off to the, join the military and he said, Christian family raised in the church and he said, now, son, when you go to boot camp, some of those guys may, may make fun of you for being a Christian. I just want you to be ready for that. They may make fun of you. Came back from boot camp and uh, they were talking about how everything went and in the course of the conversation, his dad said to him, son, did they, did they make fun of you for, for your, your faith? And, and he said, no, they never found out. And that's where some of us are. They don't ever find out. And Jesus says there's this danger that you isolate or you hide your light. Go on and look at verse 16. And continuing in that, what he says is, in the same way, you don't put a light under a stand, you put, put it on a stand. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We need to live this different life unashamedly because by seeing the quality of our lives, some people will come to believe and will glorify the Father in heaven. Some people in our culture are skeptical about our message. Now, we need to be talking but we also need to be living. we got to be talking because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. How shall they hear without a preacher? you got to share. you got to speak. But a lot of people in our culture don't believe our message. And so we got to back it up by showing our good deeds. These mission trips that Jake is telling you about, whether it's to Oxford, Ohio, to help people move into dorm rooms, or it's Serve Southie where you're serving, or whether it is Paris, most of them are where you are doing something kind to non-believers so that it creates a forum for the hearing of the gospel. You see, it's this very verse right here, that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. And that servant evangelism, we're going to try to do something this fall in Manchester, the same kind of thing as Serve, both, uh, serve Southie and, and, and these others, because people need to see our good deeds that it will support the message that they might glorify the Father in heaven. Now, you can do this on a personal scale. Is there somebody you just need to be kind to? Find somebody who doesn't like you because of your faith and be nice to them. Try that. Be kind to them. Let them see your good deeds, that though they may not accept your faith or your lifestyle or your belief, but they cannot deny your good deeds. And your light shines and your mercy and peacemaking and purity is evident so that they glorify the Father one day in heaven. I want you to personalize these verses as we close. Take out the word earth or world and put your world, your school, your workplace. You are the salt of fourth period algebra. You are the salt of Coffee County Middle School. You are the light of ADC, of your delivery route, of wherever you are, of your family. You are the salt of your family. You're like the moon. You ever think about the influence of the moon? Does the moon have any influence? It just sits up there. But you know what? The moon is in the path of the sun. And so at night, 
It has no light of its own, but it reflects the light of the sun and illuminates the light sky. You have no light of your own, but if you're in the rays of the sun, then you illuminate the world. And the moon, just by its being, by its mass, by its gravity, pulls all the oceans of the world every day and creates the tides. And our world is sinking and decay, and by your very being, as you live differently and follow Jesus, you pull the tides of our moral universe and lift the quality of life. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. If you don't fall in these two dangers, look at them as sort of a continuum, as sort of uh, two ends of two extremes. Because one's on one end, one on the other, and you're more likely to, uh, to uh, go one way or the other. So on one end of the com- continuum is contamination. And where some of you are tempted is that you're becoming like everybody else. No, contamination's over. Yeah, contamination's over here for you. So you, the danger is you become like everybody else. You know what you need to do today? You need to repent. You say, Lord Jesus, I hadn't been living differently. I'm just like my people at school. I'm just like the people I work with. I'm not carrying that distinctiveness. Some of you, the danger is isolation. You've got the distinctiveness, but you're not in the midst of darkness where he wants you to be. And you're hiding your light. And what you need to do is say, God, I'm going to take the bowl off. Taking the bowl off of my life. I'm going to let my light shine that they may see my good deeds. I'm going to intentionally be involved with non-believers, no matter how they treat me. And I'm going to be kind to them. And I'm going to love them. I'm going to seek to minister to them that they may see our good deeds and glorify them. What's God saying to you? He's saying to you something. You're trending toward one of these, or these two, right? Either in their, your life, you're losing your distinctiveness, or you're trending toward isolation. Today you need to repent, come back to that balance, and you'll be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we are in awe that you have entrusted us with such great influence in this world. We give you all praise and glory. Lord, we want to be what you've called us to be, so help us to live differently. And if there are those of us, Lord, who are dangerous contamination, we, we, in some areas of our life, we're talking like, thinking like, acting like, spending like, treating people like the world does, and we can't do that. We've got to be like you, Lord. So we're repenting of our sin now. We're moving from the cliff of isolation. And some of us, Lord, the danger in our lives is we just have not been in the darkness. and We've hidden our light. And, oh, Lord, help us to go across the street. Help us to be on one of these mission trips. You may be calling us today to say, I will move to a dark corner of the world to share the gospel as my life's calling. Lord, help us to take the bowl off and to let our light shine. Well, I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I've been talking today to those who are following.